Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, Nick and Lewis Goldberg are back for a new episode with special guest Liesl Bernard, founder and CEO of the industry's premier cannabis staffing firm, Cannabis Team. Cannabis Team recently published a tri-state salary guide providing both companies and prospective employees with background and prediction on three emerging cannabis markets as the industry shifts focus from the West Coast to the East with New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Liesl was previously on the podcast in 2019, and we also spoke about her work to find and recruit the best talent in the industry in a recent podcast we did with Stephanie Shepard from The Last Prisoner Project. Liesl joins our hosts to discuss the salary guide, the rise of temporary employees powering the cannabis industry, and how cannabis team is working with The Last Prisoner Project to promote equity across the industry. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Lisa Bernard of Cannabis Team. All right, Lisa, welcome back to the Green Rush. It's great to have you here. No, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back. Absolutely. Well, it's your first time on the. It's your second time on the show, but uh, your first time on with me. So I'm really excited to uh, to be here with you today. Thanks, Chris. Same. Excellent. All right. Well, let's let's launch right in. Um, so, Lisa, we we did your background on the last show. Um, so, if listeners haven't uh, heard that one yet, uh, you know, press pause here, go back and listen to that, and you'll get a whole like two hours with Lisa Bernard, which would be a great way to spend your afternoon. Um, <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll we'll catch up from where that one left off. So why don't, why don't we start off, uh, Liesl, and let's give our listeners a refresher on Cannabis Team, uh, where you are now after launching originally uh, back in 2016. Um, I mean, we can almost say it's it's the the pioneer of executive search and placement in the uh, in the industry, right? I, I think so. Yeah, I think we're one of the first staffing firms um, that that really entered the industry as a focused staffing firm just in cannabis. But gosh, it feels like it's been a lot longer than. Uh, six or seven years uh, since starting the company. Um, so much excitement, and I'm sure you you share that, Chris, with you know your involvement in the industry. It's just a constant uh, minutia of change and growth and excitement, and uh, you know uh, nothing different on our end. Um, we launched uh, Cannabis Temp in 2019, and that has just grown tremendously over the last few years. Um, we have, you know, temps working out in eight different states now and uh, doing business with a lot of the MSOs and helping them um, find, you know, staff for their uh, cultivation facilities, uh, packaging, manufacturing, um, and really grateful to be able to be a resource, you know, as they continue to grow. Um, and then, then on the executive search side, um, that team has pretty much doubled over the last uh, couple of years. And um, we now have close to 30 recruiters spread across the country that service our clients on a direct hire um, and executive search uh, basis as well. So very exciting times for us. Huge growth. It's uh, it's really impressive. Um, well, let's 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 jump right into the current cannabis job market. Um, you you recently published a tri-state uh, salary guide. Um, can you tell listeners 
about why you put that together and what you hope the readers of that guide to get out of it? Um, and, and why was putting this salary guide important to the cannabis industry in those states right now? Well, as you uh, probably know, I think the tri-state area is probably going to become one of the bigger markets for cannabis, you know, as they, you know, go legal and, and you know, um, licenses start, um, you know, uh, facilities start being set up and dispensaries start opening up in those states. You know, in general, we're predicting about 100,000 jobs in the tri-state market uh, between uh, New Jersey, New York and Connecticut and uh you know, it's. I, I just think it's going to be a big, big market. And uh, the reason for us putting to together the salary guide is to have, um, you know, to give those license holders that are opening up some guidance on what salary ranges are for the main uh, jobs in cannabis, so they have, you know, some guidelines to go by. Um, and also, it was just market data for those three states, um, and you know where we predict some of the ma main jobs will be. You know what parts of the states they'll be in, and in in what sectors. So we thought it was a useful tool for um, new startups in those areas, and also for candidates that are looking for jobs in that market. Excellent, and it is. I mean, th th that area is a. Uh, I mean, there's a, just a ton of growth potential right now in in the uh, in the tri-state area. I guess we should probably. Say, I don't think we, we spelled out. What is the tri-state area? I, I, I'm from there. I know it. But for our listeners, <laughs> I guess we should probably spell that out. <laughs> New Jersey, New York and Connecticut, you know, and then we're predicting about 30, uh, 63,000 jobs in the New York market, you know, about 27,000 in uh, Connecticut and about 10, you know, to 15,000. I mean, in New Jersey and 10 to 15,000 in Connecticut. So definitely going to see a huge, um, you know, job market opening up in that area. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jersey has a program operational, but it's in its infancy. New York is is just starting to get going. I mean, I don't think they actually have any licensed adult use businesses operational yet, but uh, they will soon. And Connecticut's rolling theirs out as well. So you've got the, you know, the highest density population area in the country all kind of coming online at once. Um, that's that's a lot of jobs. Uh and uh, I think, you know, I think folks can learn a lot from uh, checking out something like the salary guide and talking with you and your team about how to get involved. Um, now, there is a large section in that salary guide about temp employees, uh, which is now, if I, if, I, if I know correctly, right, is now a large part of your business uh, at Cannabis Team. Now, you've predicted a rise in those types of positions, temp positions in particular. Can you explain what led, to, led you to this prediction and uh, what, what does that mean for the industry? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think uh, as businesses continue to grow, and especially in this market that's somewhat uncertain, um, I think a lot of businesses prefer to hire employees on a temp basis because it adds flexibility, um, it adds uh, it adds predictability and cost. Um, and then employers often have the opportunity to try out entry level employees. Um, before they bring them on board full time to make sure that they have the right skill set and that there are culture match as well. Um, the benefit of temp is that, you know, very often we can get someone, you know, in the door, you know, within a week, uh, sometimes sooner, depending on badging requirements for that state. Um, and so it's a really easy way to flex the, the workforce, you know, as you continue to grow or as you scale uh, a business. We take care of all the payroll costs, um, you know, all the taxes, 
We have workers comp on um, all the employees that we place. And so we make it really easy for businesses. You know, we pay the temps weekly and we invo invoice our clients, um, you know, one invoice for, you know, as many temps as they need. So it's a very simple way to run their business. They don't have the HR hassles of hiring someone full time and dealing with onboarding. Um, and if a person doesn't work out, you know, obviously letting someone go is not always an easy process. So um, hiring someone in, on a temp basis really alleviates all of the sort of HR hassles of of hiring full time uh, employees. Absolutely, um, absolutely. I think, especially in uh, in this in this day and age, and in this in this market, this economy. Um, uh, but you know, it's obviously not just temp employees, right? You, you guys are across the spectrum. You've placed candidates uh, in this business from delivery drivers all the way up to CEOs. Uh, um, uh, so, I guess uh, along those lines, what do you think this industry requires out of both the job candidate and the search firm that may be different from? other is other industries and and what do you think is what do you think is the same like what's the same in cannabis and what's different well that's a great question um you know i spent 20 years with uh one of the world's largest largest staffing firms robert half and uh, worked in various positions for them um, um in my tenure with them and i think the biggest difference between working with fortune 500 companies in traditional industries to cannabis is that there is a very different personality and culture fit that makes a candidate successful in the cannabis industry. You know, we don't just interview for um, specific skill sets and experiences. We also take a lot of time in making sure people have the personalities and the aptitude to deal with um, the craziness of the cannabis industry. And, you know, I think anyone that's in the industry would know what that means, right? You know, uh, regulations are constantly changing. Um, you know, states are opening up, you know, cannabis companies are expanding into other states. And then there's all these different compliance issues that cannabis um, companies deal with um, from a legal perspective that makes this industry very, um, chaotic in some ways. And we're interviewed for people that have the mindset, um, to have an entrepreneurial mindset that can deal with constant change um, and people that are okay with, hand, you know, wearing multiple hats. You know, we take, um, you know, executives that come from, you know, the food, food manufacturing industry or from CPG or big retail, and we place them into cannabis. And very often, you know, unless we make sure that they have the right personality and deal with sort of the dynamics of the cannabis industry, they often don't succeed. So if someone comes from a very structured environment um, and have a lot of resources and people to delegate to and a marketing department and an HR department and all the structure you get in, a, in the corporate environment, you know, that doesn't necessarily exist in cannabis. And very often, even with the large MSOs, you know, they still need to, you know, be very hands on and and, and deal with, you know, a lot of different things that you, you won't necessarily deal with in a, a corporate setting. So we interview very much for people with that skill set um, and personality that will thrive in, um, in an entrepreneurial environment. Excellent. And then I guess, you know, sticking on this one, you, you, you do, you know, you, you do handle folks from, you know, like I said, delivery drivers all the way up onto CEO. Um, 
I guess sticking with this theme of, of what's different in cannabis, um, does it matter more if it's an entry level position or a, you know, an executive level position? Um, are there certain jobs that you're looking for more cannabis experience and certain jobs that you're looking for, you know, a different type of skill set? You know, it varies by client, you know, and, um, especially at entry level, you know, very often we, we take people with no experience and they're willing to, um, you know, go into a packaging environment or manufacturing and they can work their way up from there. Um, at, at the C-suite level, um, it really depends on the role, you know, right now, for instance, we're recruiting for a very senior level, um, quality assurance, uh, uh, executive for one of the MSOs where they're really requiring someone that's been in an international um, quality assurance role where they can make sure that, you know, manufacturing standards and products are at the same level and being able to roll that out on a national and then eventually international basis. We probably are looking for a candidate that's not from the cannabis industry because very often, um, you know, the cannabis industry has just not had the need for someone at that level. So we're going to look for someone that comes from craft foods or, um, you know, uh, uh, another CPG company that's taken that that's large, you know, on a national or international basis with that level of experience to elevate um, the cannabis company that they're joining. So it really depends. But very often we're taking from other industries and the the, the candidate net doesn't necessarily have cannabis experience. Gotcha. Gotcha. And are there some where you, you know, you really look for folks who've been in the cannabis world? Absolutely. You know, um, I think the ideal candidate in a lot of cases ha has, you know, some really senior level um, corporate experience or, or uh, CPG experience or pharmaceutical experience. Um, but if they have had a little taste of cannabis and, and actually like the, the challenges that come with working in the cannabis industry, that often is sort of the best candidate because they're not going to be shell shocked by <laughs> Uh, by the things that happen in the cannabis industry right now and can, you know, handle and um, kind of enjoy the the challenges that come with it. Right. Excellent. Um, so shifting from the direct uh, cannabis team business to sort of the broader markets a little bit, right? The, the, the cannabis economy today is is kind of bonkers, right? Like the markets, markets have gone up and down. Um, there's talk of a looming recession in the broader economy. Um, the, the cannabis capital markets are about as bad as, as, as I've seen it, um, at least going back to like the early days of the market. Um, so, uh, can you provide any tips to 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 the listeners here for those who who might find that they've been they've been laid off, whether in cannabis or otherwise, uh, folks who've had their hours reduced um, and are now sort of underemployed um, and are, you know, are looking to make themselves more marketable for a, a cannabis industry job? Yeah, you know, I think the exciting thing about the cannabis industry right now, even though some states are going through some challenging times with the price of flour dropping as much as it has with oversupply, um, there's, ton, there's still a ton of growth everywhere else. If you just look at the states that are voting uh, this month, you know, and the likelihood of those passing and just the amount of jobs and opportunities that are going to be created in those states. And we just talked about the tri-state market that's in its infancy um, I honestly believe if you have a solid background and you have cannabis experience, there's a ton of opportunity out there for you. I think we're still in 
um, one of the biggest growth industries in the country, despite you know the economy right now. Um, and if you're willing to be creative and, um, you know, maybe do a relocation into a state that is booming, there's going to be an, there's going to be a job for you. Um, my advice would be is to make sure your resume is always updated, um, and relevant for the position you're going after, but also, you know, connect with a recruiter that has knowledge about, you know, the areas that are expanding and clients that are hiring to help put you in the best possible position, um, and, you know, take initiative, get, get yourself out there. But, you know, I think the mindset that the, the cannabis industry is down is, um, not necessarily always true if you're willing to look at the states that are growing. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of it's mindset in my mind. Sure. So well, uh, along those lines, like where, where, where are you seeing what States, obviously we went to the tri-state area. So I don't think we need to spend more time there, but what States are you seeing as like real growth markets right now? You know, we're sort of seeing a lot of activity in um, Ohio, uh, Florida, you know, despite the fact that it's not adult use yet. I think it's, you know, one of the biggest um, markets out there and we, we're continuing to see growth there. Um, obviously, you're in Illinois, you know, with all the new licenses that are being issued there. Um, I think there's still a ton of growth um, in Illinois, Arizona with the, the big market with um a lot of the right retirees, I think, you know, that's going to be one of the bigger states, you know, from an activity perspective going forward as well. Um, and then smaller states like Missouri and Arkansas and, um, you know, some of the other states that are on the ballot, you know, I think, you know, there's still a ton of opportunity and growth expected in those states as well. Absolutely. And I guess what advice, what advice do you have for folks in the more competitive markets, right? I'm thinking places like, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Michigan, uh, right, where you have had a lot of like really impactful downward price compression and and, and downward wholesale pricing. And, um, you know, those markets, while, you know, while still robust, right, they're mature, they're not growing nearly as much. In some cases, the businesses are struggling. You know, what advice do you have for folks who are looking for positions in, I, I guess, twofold, number one, for people who are looking for positions in those states, and number two, for employers in those states who are trying to make sure that they're able to attract the best talent in in a more challenging market. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, you know, those markets are a little bit more challenging as far as job opportunities are concerned, just because I think a lot of those companies are under pressure um, to survive um, with, a, you know, with the oversupply in the market. Um, but it's a great opportunity for those employers to upgrade their bench, right? Um, and because there's going to be more people available and, and employees are probably going to be a little bit more flexible as far as their ex expectations are concerned. Um, if you're an employee looking for a job, you know, again, I'd be open-minded and saying, listen, if I really see myself long-term in the cannabis industry, I want to get the best possible opportunity right now, maybe be open to a relocation, um, you know, if the opportunity is not available in your state. Excellent. And then, and then for the employers, like what, what should, what should they be thinking about to make themselves to, or, or to, to make sure that they're really attracting the best, you know, the best type of talent in, in that, in that type of a competitive market? Um, you know, compare, compare with what your bench is like right now and, you know, what is available in your market. Um, you know, I would, I would always be interviewing, you know, I think as an employer, you want to make sure that you have the best possible talent, you know, on your, on your team. And, um, if there's an opportunity to upgrade um, and you know, the talent is available, that's that's always the best way to go. And again, 
talk to your recruiter and make sure you post your job on different job boards um, to attract the right talent. Um, but this is a great market to assess and, uh, you know, see if you're, there's an opportunity to get a better, a better team around you. Excellent. Excellent. Um, all right, well, let's, let's pivot a little bit here. Um, cause you've been doing some pretty exciting, uh, exciting work, uh, outside of just the business side of things. Um, uh, and, and I'm speaking here specifically about, uh, that you recently partnered with the last prisoner project. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's an organization that, that, you know, that I think all of us here support. I'm sure most of our, most of our listeners are familiar with, but, um, uh, tell us, I mean, why was it important for Cannabis team to form a partnership with LPP, uh, Last Prisoner Project? Um, and why is it that why is that project important for the industry and, and most of all for for those who have been wrongly convicted, right? The folks that 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 Last Prisoner Project um are, are, are really working on behalf of. Sure. Um, you know, we've actually partnered with uh LPP since gosh, close to probably 2019, um, when I think when it was first launched, um, I had the opportunity to meet um, Steve D'Angelo when he was still working with uh, Harborside, which is now State House, um, from the very beginning. And he's obviously the um, one of the founders of LPP. And, you know, as I became more familiar about the industry and just learning about the, all the injustices of people that were incarcerated for having even very small amounts of cannabis in their possession, you know, I realized that, you know, I want to be a part of changing that. You know, if you think about cannabis, it's a plant that really benefits so many people out there from a medical perspective. And it's just so unjust for people to have been incarcerated for 20, 30, 40 years because they had access or had possession of a plant that was really healing. Um, and today, you know, you and I can go in and buy whatever we need um, for our benefit. And a lot of people are still incarcerated for doing exactly that. Um, and so I thought it was really important for us to be a part of changing that. But more importantly, you know, we're in a very unique position that when, you know, um, the last prisoner project is successful in releasing some of these constituents, they need to reintegrate into society. And um, we're in a very unique position where we can actually help those people get a job back and get a job back in the cannabis industry. So that is part of our mission. We're not only supporting LPP um, from a financial perspective with, you know, a, a pretty significant donation every year, um, but we're also actively working with constituents um, to help prepare them for the real world when they come out with, um, you know, fixing, helping them you know, set up uh, LinkedIn profiles, helping them prepare resumes. Um, and where we can, we also help them find a job, you know, um, from a temp, temp perspective, it's an easy way for them to reintegrate into the market um, and really coach and guide people to, you know, find a job as they um, come back into society. That's terrific. I'd love to hear actually hear a little bit more about that because, um, you know, it's one thing to work to to get these folks out of prison. And that is obviously priority number one, right? These are folks, and I think you, you said it exactly right. These are folks who are quite literally rotting away in cages uh, for engaging in the same activity that many people are 
you know, making small fortunes on, uh, or at least trying to, um, mm-hmm. right. Or, or in some cases just making a living doing right. I mean, you're, you know, the small growers, bud tenders, right. People who are just selling cannabis on a day to day, right. Who are making a living, making a living in the cannabis industry. Meanwhile, people are are sitting in cages in prison for having engaged in the exact same conduct in the then unregulated environment. Um, but it's, you know, it's one thing to help them get out. Um, and that has to be the first priority. Um, but once folks come out of prison, there's still a lot of, uh, still a lot of challenges that they, that they face. Um, uh, and, and, and in particular getting jobs and the cannabis industry traditionally, uh, because of a lot of the regulations in the in the early medical markets, uh, was not very welcoming to folks who were coming out of uh, of prison. Um, and I think you know even a lot of employers still may be hesitant to hire uh, folks with criminal records, even if those records were uh, you know were 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 for cannabis related offenses. So, like, what kind of advice? I guess number what kind of advice do you give, and 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 what kind of tools could, can you offer? to folks who are coming out of, who, ha- who have come out of jail with a cannabis offense to help best prepare them and position them to get a job in the new cannabis industry? Yeah, you know, I can just speak to the things that we do and, and maybe I can encourage a lot of companies out there in the industry and especially, you know, companies that work in cannabis to be a lot more compassionate and um, supportive to these constituents that are re-entering after the horrific things that they had to endure for, um, you know, for cannabis. Um, you know, again, you know, what we do is help them, you know, get set up so that they're set up for, you know, the best possible opportunity in the market with, you know, interview techniques to helping them LinkedIn profile set up, helping them with their resumes and really, um, you know, uh, talking to some of our clients and say, can you give some of these these constituents a chance. Uh, we don't take a fee um, or you know a commission for anyone that we place that come you know uh, that are re-entering the market. So we're doing this as part of our um, contribution um, to the industry. And um, you know if any any of our clients are listening or anyone out there has a cannabis business and they'd like to assist in this mission, we'd be super grateful because I think just giving someone a chance when they come back into society is, is all they need. You know, if you talk to some of these people that have re-entered, they're so grateful and they're so passionate um, and they're so excited to be part of society again. And obviously working in the cannabis industry um, is probably the best opportunity for them, you know, in the market in order to reintegrate, you know, just because of, you know, we all share sort of the same vision, you know, about the plant and what, you know, what we're trying to do here, um, you know, as an, as an industry. Yeah, that's uh, that, that that that's it, it's terrific that you're doing that. It's really so important because um, uh, and look, I, I would say a lot of these folks and, and I guess it was just sort of one other one other follow up on this, because I think it's an important point. And then I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, your work with LPP in particular. Um, but, you know, a lot of these folks have cannabis experience. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that gets overlooked. The fact that, you know, somebody was arrested in a cannabis offense, chances are they've got some experience with the cannabis plant um, and, and, and with, you know, with, with cannabis in general. Uh, and I would think that might make them a, uh, a, a more attractive candidate to a cannabis business looking for somebody to, you know, represent them, to help them sell cannabis to legal consumers. Um, to, I mean, how do you think folks can use you know, folks who may be coming out of, of, of prison for, or jail or prison with a cannabis offense? Like, how do you think that they can use that? cannabis experience to uh, the prior cannabis experience to help market themselves for a job in the legal industry? 
You know, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, they they all, all, all share the passion for cannabis. And I think that's one of the things that we interview for when we interview candidates is we want to place people that are passionate about the plant and what it can do from a medical perspective, have had some personal experience. And obviously, these candidates are all going to share that, you know, really depends on what their involvement with the industry was before. But I agree with you, you know, they they come from the industry. And I think as, you know, fellow um, entrepreneurs in the industry, you know, I think it's our job to facilitate these people's reintegration as best as we can, because, you know, we're all benefiting from what they're, what they suffered, you know, for over the last uh, X number of years, depending on how long they were in prison. And, you know, I think it's our our responsibility to make sure that they integrate well um, more than any other industry out there. Absolutely. No, I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that. Um, I think it's just something that's really overlooked um, by uh, uh, by a lot of folks when they think about you know people think about getting folks out, but not necessarily what happens to them next. Um, so you know, you, you did talk a little bit about how you connected through Last Prisoner Project and, and Steve D'Angelo, but um, can you just talk us through a little bit a little bit more about the campaign that you're that you're working on and 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 what you know what what are what are you guys trying to do together and what are you trying to do to help uh help help benefit the the last prisoner project um you know we're obviously a a donor or we score a sponsor so we we help financially um every year to support their initiatives um as a company um all of our employees have picked a, a pen pal um you know, that's currently incarcerated and we write to those people on, that's fantastic. on a monthly basis because I think that means so much for someone to be behind bars and looking at what's happening in the industry today. And, um, you know, I'm sure that must be extremely tough, right? I can only imagine, you know, being in that position. So to get a letter from a stranger that's currently working in the industry and say, hey, um, we're thinking about you. We know you're there and we're working towards, um, you know, uh, a solution here. And, you know, just knowing that I think means so much for these people. And in talking to some of the people that have been released, um, in, you know, for instance, Stephanie Shepard, we work pretty closely with her. She's one of the um, main uh uh, employees at LPP and she's told her story. And then she, you know, she said very often in jail, if you get a letter from a stranger, the, the prison wardens even look at you differently because they, they realize that people outside care about you. Um, and that get, goes a long way to be how, even how you're being treated in prison while you're there. And so if we can make a small difference by reaching out to these people and letting them know um, that we're thinking about them you know, finding out more about their life, sharing a bit about our lives with them. It makes them feel less isolated and um, I think gives them hope. And I think in prison, that's the biggest gift you can give anyone if they're there for the reasons they are is give them hope that, you know, things are changing. I'm I'm so glad to hear you say that. You know, it it reminds me of a campaign that we ran when I was um, for a time I was I was president uh, of uh, well I was president of forefront for a long time. But for a time I was president of our mission retail division, and we also did a campaign with the Last Prisoner Project where uh, we would encourage our customers to write letters to um, uh, folks who are currently incarcerated um, for cannabis offenses. 
using the last prisoner projects member list or not member list, but their, you know, their, their constituent list, right. They would provide the materials um, and we would incentivize the customers to do so by giving them, you know, rewards points on their discount on the rewards cards or like discounts on products um, for taking the time to do that. Um, because you're right. It, it, it means so much to someone. I think people overlook how how meaningful getting a letter from someone, even someone they don't know, is because you know when someone's sitting in prison, all they have is time, mm-hmm. right? And you know, when you're out, when you're on the outside, and you have the luxury of of, of uh, and the privilege of of being free and living day to day life getting a letter from a stranger is kind of weird, right? Like most people, they may not, a lot of people might not even read it, but if you're, if you're incarcerated and you've got time on your hands, right? Those letters and, and that, that emotional support, even from strangers, letting, just letting you know that there are people out there that haven't forgotten about you, um, I think makes a, a world of difference. And, and I would encourage more companies in the cannabis space to um, engage with LPP and to um, do the kind of projects that you're doing. I love that you have your team doing that. I, I can only imagine. And actually, I, I should ask while we're here, I mean, what kind of feedback have you gotten from your employees, your team members who have become pen pals with 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 folks who are incarcerated on cannabis offenses? You know, they all love it, you know, and I think it it comes from the heart, you know, having reaching out and getting that response back from someone saying, thank you so much for for reaching out and giving me um, giving me some of your time and, and attention. Um, it means a lot. Right. And, and I think for for our employees to have that engagement and everyone that works with me obviously love the industry, but going to that depth of reaching out to someone that's incarcerated for something that, you know, has created a job for them. Um, it's just, uh, it's a great feeling and, um, you know, it really connects the heart to what we do on a daily basis as well. And I think that's, that's what makes this industry so special in my mind. And that's why I love working in cannabis so much is there's so much heart in this industry and for so many different reasons. And, um, you know, I think that just accentuates all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for the work you're doing there. It's, it's, it, it is really important. Um, so I, I want to move. Say, so I just want to also say on that, it's really easy. Um, uh, LPP on their website has made it really easy to connect with someone that's incarcerated. You know, I urge everyone that's listening to go to their website because you can actually pick a profile of someone that's incarcerated and write a letter online. So you don't actually even have to take out a pen and paper or mail it or whatever, if you could just do it straight from their website and they will print it out and mail it to the right person. Um, so it's actually a very easy, you know, streamlined, streamlined process. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you again for, uh, for the work you're doing there. I think it's important and hopefully others in the industry take note, right? It, it doesn't, doesn't take a lot to do, but it's really meaningful. Uh, it means a lot to people who are incredibly vulnerable and have been treated unfairly. And it'll mean a lot, as you mentioned, to your employees and a good way to help keep a, you know, a happy workforce internally. Um, but, you know, making them feel good about the work that they're doing. Um, so really good. So I, I, I do want to, you know, just move on to, uh, what's going on nationally. Um, and spend, spend a little bit of time here. I know that you and the cannabis team had a pretty strong reaction to the recent Biden administration announcement about cannabis. So can you speak to that a little bit and, and tell us what do you expect that to mean for the cannabis industry? Well, first of all, I'm super excited that, you know, I think the political arena is taking note of the cannabis industry and some of the changes that are needed. Um, 
And I think everyone was, you know, quite excited about the announcements that President Biden made. Um, but I also want to highlight that, you know, I think he um, spoke specifically on, you know, the people that are still incarcerated on a federal level, um, which is great. But if you look at the numbers, most of the people that are still incarcerated are um, being incarcerated on a state level. So, um, you know, my, I guess, request would be um, is to really drill that down onto a state level, because on a federal level, yes, we can make these changes, but it really comes down to each state, you know, making uh, changes from for for these incarcerated um, individuals as well. Um, and in addition, you know, this plan has so much medical value for so many people for so many different reasons. And I still think it's insane that it's a schedule one drug because a schedule one drug by definition has no medical benefit. And if you think about, um, you know, that topic alone, you know, change needs to happen fast. And, you know, I urge our political leaders to, you know, look at um, descheduling, you know, um, so that we can alleviate all the economic and tax pressures on the companies that are really suffering and trying to survive legally in this industry. Absolutely. So, I mean, along those lines, um, there's still a lot to come uh, on this. Uh, if you had five minutes to speak to President Biden, um, what would you say to him? Uh, what would you, what would your what would your what would your five minute message be to the president? What would your ask be? Um, you know, you're the president of our of our company. I mean, our company of our country. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, you have a lot of opportunity here to make some big changes. And you know, I'm hoping that you know that'll happen. I'm hoping that you know we can make this incredible medical plant available for people. Um, and allow companies to succeed um, and not be so penalized for, you know, for working in the industry. I think a lot of companies are really struggling with 280E um, and just surviving the incredible tax pressures that's on, you know, any legal cannabis business right now. Um, and um, I'm hoping, and I know, Chris, you've been working on this on the background as well. I'm hoping that at least in the lame duck session, um, that the Safe Banking Act will pass, because I think just that alone will allow a lot more influx of capital into the industry um, and will start, you know, the change. So I don't know what you're seeing on your end. I know you've been working very hard on the White House um, and, uh, you know, what you're predicting would happen over the next couple of months. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, that is quite literally the the, the billion dollar question. Um you know, I, I'm loath to make a prediction. Um, I will say that I feel more optimistic about getting safe banking and really safe plus, right? This this bigger safe banking bill um, done in the lame duck session than I have been for the last couple of years. Um, it seems like all of the stars are starting to align and the parties are, you know, parties who need to be talking to each other and at the table are 
uh, at the moment. Um, so I'm optimistic, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I've been involved in the policy world, as, as you know, for um, you know 20 plus years, and I've been burned more times than I've won. Um, that's the, I guess the nature of working uh, working in cannabis uh, cannabis policy. Um, so uh, you know, never never count your chickens before they're hatched. But I'm I'm, I'm optimistic because uh, I mean you're absolutely right. The industry desperately needs some reform uh, and desperately needs some relief uh, and and getting this done would be a huge benefit to um to everybody in the industry right from the from the mom and pop social equity single store operators all the way up to the multi-state operators right everybody needs the kind of relief that would come with uh federal banking reform and some of the other provisions that are that are being discussed here um so fingers crossed um but uh, let's well let's you know what let's stay in the predictions game here just to, you know as as we as we get closer to the end of the interview here um by the time this episode airs the mid midterm elections will already be over uh, for those listening we're recording this on Friday November 4th uh, so about uh, 5 days uh before 4 days I should say before the midterm elections um so we don't know who won but uh listeners you you will when you're hearing this um so I I I won't put you on the spot and says to what's going to happen in the midterms because uh, that'll already be done by the time this is this airs. Um, but you know, let, assuming that the Republicans win at least the House of Representatives, which seems like seems like a pretty pretty solid uh, uh, prediction at this point. Um, what are you thinking about? Congress next year, uh, right? What do you expect from this year's election cycle in terms of what it means for cannabis? And will the next Congress be able to get anything done in terms of federal legalization or federal reform in what's likely to be divided government? Yeah, that's a tough question. And, you know, I, I don't really, um, view myself as a huge expert on politics, um, you know, so I, I'm probably not the best person to answer this question. I'm just hoping that the Safe Banking Act will pass in the lame duck and we can see some of these other changes happening um, because this industry desperately needs, you know, the reform, as you said, and, um, you know, if we can get descheduling on, you know, uh, happening um, and, you know, the the results uh, of, you know, and having 280E reform as well, I think that would be a huge win. Um, so curious to see what will happen. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, I mean, I think, I think we need to get uh, we need to get something done in this lame duck, right? Cause I am, I'm not, I'm personally not very optimistic about, um, the prospects for reform in divided government for a multitude of reasons, but the big one being that, uh, what we've seen over the past really couple decades now is when you have divided government like this, they don't really pass anything, right? You got to get continuing budget resolutions uh, every year. And that's usually about it. Um, and so unless we can work that into a budget resolution, if it's a CR, you can't, um, right? Just the, the 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 avenues for achieving anything become very, very, very limited. Um, so I think everybody needs to be pushing really hard to do what we can in, in the lame duck session here um, to ensure that we get some reform, because I don't think we can count on anything bigger than that uh, in the coming Congress, uh, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you know, as we as we kind of look to wrap up here, uh, let, let's you know move back to let's move back to the job stuff, right? And I want you to end it on. Um, I am a mid level manager 
coming out of the the you know sort of either call it retail or hospitality world, and I'm looking to leave my current world and get into the new and exciting world of cannabis. Um, I've got five minutes of your time that you've generously donated uh, to to, uh, to 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 counsel me. What do you what do you what do you say what do you say to somebody like me? Well, I always start my conversation with candidates that I interview saying, where in a perfect world do you see yourself in the next two to five years, right? Um, I think sometimes people get blindsided by their next career move and they might get um, excited about one aspect of a new job or whatever. But I think it's really important to have a slightly long-term view when you're looking for a job change, you know? Um, so that's always where I start. Find out what, what would really excite you to get out of bed every day and what would that job look like um, in the cannabis industry and then start working backwards on, um, on getting there. You know, I think there's a ton of resources out there. The industry is not um, as stigmatized as it was, you know, six, seven years ago. Um, and there's a ton of opportunity. If you think about the life cycle of a plant, of the plant, you know, from the moment it goes into the the, the ground to where it hits a retail shop, uh, a shelf in a dispensary, there's so many things that happen. There's so many job opportunities within the life cycle. So figure out what what would really excite you to get out of bed and 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 focus on that. Um, obviously get as much education as you can um, um, in the industry and show your excitement and passion because that's one of the big things. Companies in the cannabis industry want to hire people that are passionate about cannabis for whatever reason, whether it's a family member that had a great impact um, from using the plant or whether it's yourself or just what you know about the plant and wanting to be a part of that. Um, and then set yourself up for success. Make sure that your resume is highly focused on the skill sets and experiences that um, that job would require, um, you know, and apply to as many jobs as you can. Um, work with a recruiter so they can put you in front of as many opportunities as you um, as they can. And don't give up. You know, I think um, it's not easy sometimes to enter this industry, but once you can get your foot in the door, there's a ton of opportunity. And a lot of it, like we said before, is mindset and attitude. Um, you know, if you have an entrepreneurial mindset and you're willing to wear many hats, there's always going to job for you in cannabis and especially right now. Well, I, no, I think that's very well put, uh, you know, despite this being sort of challenging times economically in general and in the cannabis industry, there's still lots of growth ahead, right? There's still lots of states that haven't legalized yet. Um, we still have federal legalization on the horizon. So, you know, we will get through this and it's still a great time for folks to get involved. And I can't think of a better place for them to um, uh, to get into the industry than with you and your folks at, at Cannabis Team. So um, I appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate you being here. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have you back on for a third time sometime soon. Thanks so much, Chris. I really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, Liesl. Congrats again on all the success. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Liesl Bernard, CEO of Cannabis Team, for joining us on The Green Rush today. To follow everything uh, with Cannabis Team and to, to check out uh, their job placement opportunities, you can go to CannabisTeam.com. Um, they have a lot of great resources there for anyone looking to enter the cannabis sector. Um, as always, thanks again for listening to The Green Rush 
You can follow us on the social channels at the Green Rush underscore podcast on Instagram and at the underscore Green Rush on Twitter. Um, you can also shoot us an email at greenrush at KCSA.com. Chris and Lewis and I all love to um, hear your your tips and topics that you want us to cover and the people that you'd like us to interview, um, especially as we're getting ready to gear up for our 2023 episodes. Um, and as always, please subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay. One take.